Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Welcome to Working in Yoga, friends. I am your host, Rebecca Sebastian. For this, my first episode of season two, I wanted to make sure that I did something true to who I am. I am setting my intentions for this upcoming season. There are big picture ideas I want to dive deeper into and conversations I want to have. And up until now, I've not seen much about these in yoga industry chatter, either online or in person. So first, let me say this. I am hungry for new discourse. What I mean by that is that we in yoga seem to be rehashing the same few subjects over and over again. At some point, the common pain points and discussion topics among yoga teachers went from honestly a kiddie pool of depth to what I consider to be a zero depth spray park. We can throw blame around for why our discourse has gotten more shallow over the last couple years, but I don't think that does anyone any good. We frankly just need to have deeper conversations, conversations that don't rehash the same six points that we have been talking about for the last three years, and those points have become less conversation starters and more subjects of shame and blame. I want us to discuss new things, things that light us up, and our proposed solutions for the challenges that we face. Second, I want to talk more deeply about the relationship between the industry of yoga and the tradition of yoga. For me, there has always been a separation between these two topics, and I say that a lot on this podcast and in my writing, but this season, I want to bring them closer together because the truth is, in our current state of things, the relationship between the two is out of balance, and this is where I think I have gotten it not quite right in the past, that there is a relationship and we need to talk about it. In the past, I had thought of the yoga industry and the tradition of yoga as two one-way streets occurring on the same side of town. But in fact, they exist in the same boulevard, and there is a lot more traffic from one side influencing the other. We need the yoga industry and the yoga tradition to be in a better and more balanced relationship. And I want to talk about how we can do that. I'm going to promise right now that this particular topic is never going to be a rant about capitalism ruining everything. If I'm being honest, I'm incredibly bored with conversations in yoga on that subject, especially since I think a lot of people have only a meme-esque understanding of what the topic is and probably couldn't define their terms without the internet helping them. So instead, I'd rather talk about innovating something different that exists within the structure we already live in. Let's work on a new paradigm between industry and tradition one that is worthy of our attention and our feedback. Next, I want to talk about who is in our rooms. 
Do you ever notice that when you slide into yoga teacher conversations almost anywhere, there is never anyone talking about the students who come to see us? If we do, we talk about them in generalized terms like hypermobile or we identify particular characteristics about them. And while these things are important, it is important to know what to do with a hypermobile student coming into your yoga class. I think it's incredibly telling that we have dehumanized our students to such a degree. We have also divorced ourselves, the yoga teachers and professionals, from them, the students, in order to be teachers. But we were once all students, and I want to know what our experiences and theirs were and are like. One thing I don't think we talk about enough in this regard is the amount of humans and women, and usually white women if we're being more specific, in Western yoga who come to our classrooms with deep amounts of trauma. The statistical average of women who experience trauma is typically one in three. I'm here to argue that our averages in classes in the West are higher. And I want to talk about that. Likely, those stats go even higher as we shift into the people who choose to go forward and become yoga teachers. Are we actually really addressing this within our industry? And in this vein, can we also discuss if our students actually need all the extra trainings we are selling each other? Yoga anatomy mastery, yoga sequencing flows, yoga for the hips and the shoulders and the whatevers. Do our students really care what their scapula is or where it's located? Does this knowledge actually keep them safe? Or does it enhance their experience of the tradition of yoga? Or are we perhaps just a snake eating its own tail, selling endless certifications and specialized programs to slide us into a false sense of professionalism? I have my opinions, of course, but I would rather have some deeper discussions on this with folks who maybe don't agree or do, but only a little bit. Next, and probably most controversially, I want to discuss where our conversations about cultural appropriation are absolutely failing, because from my vantage point, they are. The nuance of this conversation has been stripped completely bare, and most white yoga teachers, if they're even aware of this conversation, think that either A, all folks of Indian heritage feel the same way, B, they harbor a huge sense of guilt that they are wrong for even being here within the industry, or see that they have done the three things that some Instagram carousel has suggested they do so that they don't appropriate, and now they're good. What used to be a rich and enlightening conversation about the sharing of traditions and histories across the globe, as well as the power dynamic that influences that sharing, has been reduced to a few voices who are frankly just selling critique and not sharing depth. So I want to have a different conversation, a deeper and more nuanced conversation, one where maybe not everyone agrees on the only three points of conversation that are ever brought up, should we say namaste, folks? But one where we talk about everything, the whole mess, and what we can do to make it better in real-world practical terms, or if we even can. I cannot express how hungry I am for this kind of conversation. I also want to talk about the misogyny of the yoga industry, and this one is something that people really bristle at because the conversation about cultural appropriation generally dominates the conversations about privilege and power in the yoga world. 
but an industry made up primarily of women that also has some of the lowest paid workers, so low, in fact, that our biggest industry organization has taken the stance that yoga teaching is not a profession. Well, that's some misogynistic shit. Is it possible to start calling that what it is and then shifting the conversation about how we can change how we think about professionalism and making money in yoga? On that tone, I really want to discuss leadership in yoga. Who are our leaders and why? Are our leaders named Asesh because of their actions or their deep knowledge or because of their social media following? Are they culture makers or critique sellers? Because let me tell you this, as someone who has more than a passing interest in what makes a good leader, I am damn tired of the social following masters and the sellers of criticism. They make splashes, yes, but are they making the biggest shifts? I also really hope to talk more about yoga studios in the West. The typical model has taken a beating over the last two years, and I'm going to call on the work by one of my more favorite authors, Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, Talking to Strangers, to argue that no matter how much yoga folks bag on yoga studios and the yoga studio system, we need them. The idea is called coupling, and it's one that's talked about in Gladwell's book in regards to bigger subjects like prostitution and crime and suicide. But the gist is that humans are likely to do what they've always done. They couple experiences with a particular place and change from that place is hard. And we have tried and we have trained entire generations of yoga students to expect a yoga studio experience. Shifting them back to church basements or library meeting rooms or the back rooms of your chiropractor's office, well, frankly, that's not going to happen. And as much as we glorify the days of the 90s when yoga was a counterculture thing that not a whole bunch of people knew about and we had sacred teachers who were teaching everybody, and not everyone knew it, that's just frankly not where we are. And expecting us to go back there is not how humans work. So now what? Mostly, I'm hungry for nuanced conversations. Conversations that can't easily be made into memes or slides. Conversations that take longer than 30 seconds to three minutes of an Instagram reel or TikTok video. We've been in a vacuum for too long, and I'm ready to burst this bubble. There's no amount of pointing at an empty spot next to you in a video that will fulfill what we desperately need in our working in yoga lives. Nuanced conversations with respectful disagreements. If you're interested in some of these conversations, make sure that you email me, Rebecca, at workinginyoga.com, and we'll see if we can fit a conversation in together. In the meantime, I've got some friends coming over in the next couple months, and we'll get down to it. So let's talk in depth and with nuance. I'll see you there. So speaking of seeing me, if you want to catch me in person this year, I'm going to shout out four different places that I'm going to be over the course of the year. And if you're interested, maybe you catch me live. The first place I will be teaching is at a yoga conference that I myself am hosting with the nonprofit that I run, the Quad Cities Yoga Foundation. And this is a yoga conference focusing on how yoga can support mental health. It is located in Denport, Iowa. That's where I am in real life. And the conference is called YogaCon. We are having amazing presenters like Indu Aurora, Amy Weintraub, Christine Weber, 
Pooja Virani, and Matthew Taylor as a keynote speaker. And I will be teaching workshops on sleep and self-care. So go grab tickets at www.qcyogafoundation.com backslash yogacon for our dates on March 4th through the 6th in 2022. After that, I will be in Denver with some amazing humans at the Yoga Teacher Conf. Now, the Yoga Teacher Conf founder, Allison Russell, has been on the podcast before, and she and I have been friends for a few years. And this year, I'm doing a in- workshop intensive on leadership in yoga studios. So if me talking about leadership interested you when I talked about it above, and you own a yoga studio, we are doing a deep dive into how we can lead our sacred communities. I'm going to rely on the work of some incredible humans who have done these studies before, and we are going to uncover our own unique leadership styles, discuss who we need in our inner circles to ensure that we are leading with integrity and generosity, and so much more. Go grab tickets for the April 25th through the 27th dates at www.yogateacherconf.com. Now, this next one, I probably got the most excited about just because I fangirled a little bit. But this year, I'm going to be at the International Association of Yoga Therapists annual conference, SITAR, talking about what it is to integrate service or SEVA into our pricing models. I talk about this kind of work in all realms of yoga businesses, and I use one of the models I'm going to present in my own studio and my own yoga therapy practice. But if you are a yoga therapist and interested in how you can both make a sustainable income and offer the service you feel called to do to other humans, this is the workshop for you. So grab your tickets when they go on sale at www.iayt.org for June 16th through the 19th in Evanston, Illinois. And last, but certainly not least, because I'm just doing these in chronological order, of course, I am teaching a couple workshops at the Driftless Yoga Festival in Decorah, Iowa on June 23rd through the 26th. One of my favorite things that I will be talking about is how we can use feminist business principles. And in the workshop, I'm actually going to call these intersectional feminist business principles because I think that extra addition is important to operate a different model of yoga business. This is going to be for anyone in the yoga industry. And if you want to build the business that makes you feel good about what you're doing, this is where you want to be. If you want in, Larie, the festival director, who is just wonderful, just launched tickets this week. So grab those at www.driftlessyogafestival.com. All right, this is it for my solo episode. Here's what you can expect for the next season of working in in yoga. And as usual, go find the corresponding Medium article if you follow me on Medium. Speaking of following me, please make sure that you hit the follow button wherever you are listening to this podcast. And if you like what I have to say, I'd love it if you'd leave me a review. So let's dive in, friends. Welcome to season two of Working in Yoga. Honestly, I just can't wait.